I don't know if you caught that in the news this week, but I was a bit intrigued, and then I thought, oh, no. Because did you notice, like, the little subtitle on the news? Apocalypse Now. And do you know, like, what apocalypse means? I mean, like, to, to many apocalypse, it means the end of the world. You know, within uh, kingdom theology, it means the end of this age and the beginning of the next age. So it's really a good thing when the apocalypse comes. It's going to be sudden. It's going to be dramatic. But when I saw that, I thought, oh, no. It's like we have, now we have something else to worry about. Uh, we, we have, and, and, I, and I begin to think about not so much, uh, it, it doesn't seem to be a big part of our conversation as a community of people. But I, but I do know as I read and I kind of connect with others, I, I, it just things, it's just things threat, threat, the threat warning is so high. And, and maybe it has to do with Susan and I going, you know, on an airplane, you know, and I still, I don't like taking my shoes off. I mean, I understand it, I get it, but I have this thing about stinky feet. And I just know that, you know, when I take my shoes off in public, there's this odor that kind of starts drifting around, and I'm just embarrassed by that, though I get it. So threat warning, you know, orange, you know, all the different colors. So I'm thinking, oh, no. And then I thought, I bet you, I bet you somebody has a word of prophecy about these meteors. And sure enough, I found this. From the scriptures, we know that the Lord often sends people signs and warnings via natural forces. The clergyman said, he's, the clergyman said that, now he continues, said that the meteor shower was the Lord's message to humanity and served as a reminder that we live in a fragile and unpredictable world. Now, in that, you already knew that, didn't you know that we already live in a fragile and unpredictable world? And now the sky is falling. <laughs> and that is going to be one of the things that people are going to really worry about is, I wonder if that next meteor is going to get us. So then I started thinking, well, these are all the things. And I just, like, this was just this week's news. People just talking about their worries, the threats that are there. We, um, we're worrying about North Korean nukes. To the, to the chagrin of his neighbors, the neighbors of North Korea, a young despot, that's the new leader in North Korea, appears determined to continue his family's atomic blackmail. And you can't talk about North Korean nukes without you know, remembering, oh, well, what about Iran? I mean, what, what are they up to in, in Iran? And then you start thinking about Iran, and you start going, well, man, Iranists, they're full of Muslim extremists. And don't you know Muslim extremists? They're, they're trying to kill us. And then you start talking about Muslim extremists, and then some of us are still wondering if they are here. So we just have worry upon worry upon worry. And then you start thinking about, well, we've got some domestic problems. And it does seem to be a problem. We seem to have some U.S. gun violence. It seems that, I mean, 16 mass shootings in one year's time that leaves 88 people dead, I mean, that causes fear. That's kind of threat. But then it's not just about... U.S. gun violence, now there's the economy. It just seems to be this collision in this intersection. The poor chicken in the middle says, why does the chicken in the middle always get caught in the middle of these? And then, and then it's not just the economy, because that's then the economy is connected to the health care. I don't know if you can read this, but in the middle of the, it says, on the bright side, we can expect really long delays before they euthanize us. <laughs> so I think it's fair to say that there seems to be a threat to our existence. 
And, and my, 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 what, what I, my concern is how do we respond to that? And I think that most of you know me well enough that, that I've just had an increasing, increasing, increasing concern that, again, not so much our community, but you can't talk about our community without our community be con- being connected to this bigger thing called church. And, and we're, we're close to the, like we're in the Western world, so we're really connected to the church in the Western world. And it just seems, and maybe, I mean, I even, I started, should I go all the way back to the 60s? You know, like, because I remember when President Kennedy was assassinated. I remember when Martin Luther King was assassinated. I know how that rocked my world. So I, I know that since then, Something has really pushed a button, especially in the church, about we're under the gun. We're really threatened. Our existence is threatened. And, I, and it's really through the years, I think what I've observed is I, as I've seen a church in general, again, I'm speaking in very general terms. I'm not talking about you, though you might relate to this. It seems that the church, when it's been threatened, has decided, well, we've got to pull back. We've got we to disengage. We've got to put distance between us and the threat so we survive. And then there's been just this increasing level of fear. Of fear. I mean, it's like we should put a like, threat level today on the front door of the church, you know, yellow. And you, you, you know, and you just... We just seem to have this fear. And, and I wonder, in those conversations that I have with lots of my friends, I know they love Jesus. I know they're following. I know they're reading the Bible. But I just hear fear upon fear upon fear. And, and I wonder, where, where did faith go? I mean, I, I, I thought we had a faith to help us overcome fears or to face fears. So with all of these threats and adding meteors to it. How, how do we respond? As a community of people following Jesus, connected to a bigger community of people following Jesus, how do we, how do we, how do we face these threats? Well, the question then for me is, well, how did they do it in the first century? I mean, that, that seems to be where we are in the story of Acts, because if you remember last week, we were talking about Peter and John, and they were arrested, and they were thrown into jail for a night. And the next day, a meeting was called in Jerusalem, and the rulers, religious leaders, religious scholars, everyone was anybody that was at that meeting. They stood Peter and John in the middle of the room. They grilled them, who put you in charge here? What business do you have doing this? What business do you have healing a lame man and inviting the lame man into the temple for the first time? What business do you have doing that? And so they decided, the authorities decided, well, let's, let's silence them with threats. So threat level is pretty high right now for Peter and John. So they call, I don't know what they said, They don't tell us that, but they threaten them. Don't you dare use Jesus' name ever again with anyone. 
Because if you do, we're going to beat you. We're going to stone you. You know, we're going to kill you. We're going to throw you in prison, throw away the... I mean, those are all possibilities. And they had the authority to do that. The religious leaders renewed their threats, and then they released them. So we now have two followers of Jesus that are living under like, is what's, is like red the highest threat level? They're under the gun. So the question, well, how did they respond to that? What did they do? When their life, their existence, their freedom, all of that's threatened, what do they do? And what can we learn? from what they did. Acts chapter 4, verse 23 to 31 is their story. And then we can learn from what they did. As soon as Peter and John were let go, they went to their friends and told them what the high priests and religious leaders had said. Hearing the report, they lifted their voices in a wonderful harmony in prayer. Strong God... You made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. By the Holy Spirit, you spoke through the mouth of your servant and our father David. Why the big noise, nations? Why the mean plots, people? Earth's leaders push for position. Potentates meet for summit talks. The God deniers, the Messiah defiers. And in fact, they did meet Herod and Pontius Pilate with nations and people. Even Israel itself met in this very city to plot against your holy son Jesus, the one you made Messiah, to carry out the plans you long ago set in motion. And now they're at it again. Take care of their threats. Give your servants fearless confidence in preaching your message as you stretch out your hand to us in healings and miracles and wonders done in the name of your holy servant Jesus. And while they were praying, the place where they were meeting trembled and shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak God's word with fearless confidence. How did they respond to the threat? Well, first of all, the community in general listened to a first-hand report. As soon as Peter and John were let go, they went to their friends, they went to the community in Jerusalem, and they told them what the high priest and religious leaders had said. Peter and John heard firsthand the threats, and they went to the community and said, this is what they said firsthand. There, there, was, there was no third, second-hand reporting. They did not send out a, an email chain letter to everybody that, you know, that we were threatened. So the first thing we can learn is that we need to listen to first-hand reports. If a threatening report is second- or third-hand reporting, suspend your judgment. You know, look into it before you buy into it. Don't, you know, don't just have a knee-jerk reaction to every report that you hear. I have found out that most of the email threat letters that I get are all bogus. And so at this point, I don't even read them. I, I just delete them. I love that delete. 
You know, I do not forward them. If, any, if anything stirs within me, like the you know, we have this thing called discernment. If I discern there may be something to it, then I will go ahead and, and do some study. I'll do some research. Age of information, internet, you can go find stuff if you want to find it. And then I think we all know this, but just it's just a reminder on the Jerusalem Times. I mean, they, the, Peter, the story of Peter and John was from the perspective of the religious community. You know, these nasty guys healed this guy at the temple, and we got to do something about this. But the Bethlehem Post, you know, they're not, they're not reporting the same thing. So I, I think, don't we know every source of news has a bias? Doesn't matter every source of news. I mean, from on the spectrum, wherever you get your news, it has a bias. There's, there is no news channel paper that doesn't have a bias. Do we know that? Therefore, if we want to know the truth, we've got to read broadly. You have to read the whole spectrum and and together we kind of figure out the truth. And the best thing we can do, first-hand report. If it's not first-hand reports, suspend your judgment and look into it. That's what they did. And then do you notice, after they heard the report, hearing the report, they lifted their voices in a wonderful harmony in prayer. They prayed together. You know, through these years, I mean, again, I mean, I could truthfully, I could go back to the 60s. I could go back. I mean, I, I came to faith in the 70s, early 70s. I could look back, and I don't know of a single time that I got an invitation from the church to come together to pray because there was a threat. While they were praying, the place they were meeting trembled and shook. You know what that was? God got so excited. He shook everything up. All right, you guys are facing the threat with prayer. I'm so excited. You're looking to me. You're not trying to solve your own problems. You're not trying to be in the right, you know, whatever. You're not taking matters in your own hands. You're looking to me. And he shook. Just to say, I'm so, I'm so glad that you prayed about this. You know, prayer is active. I remember being concerned one time with a group of men. I said, well, let's pray about this. guy said, no, that's too passive. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> prayer is passive? Well, we just, just need to do something. Well, we, we don't know what to do until we spend time with God, and then he'll tell us what to do. Again, we can have just these knee-jerk reactions that we're supposed to do this with this threat, and it may not be what God wants us to do at all. So if we don't stop and pray together, again, it's a community that's threatened that comes together and spends time. Oh, strong God. It's not trying to face these things alone. It's doing it together with Him in the conversation, what do we do? What's going on? 
prayed together. And they, they kept a kingdom perspective. And I think this is just like extremely important. Because I don't know if you noticed, they said something like this. And, and now they're at it again. And they're at it again and they connect that back historically to Psalm 2. And Psalm 2 is an enthronement psalm. It's, it's, the, it's God is king and God who is king has a son who he places on the throne. In history, that's David. Today, that's Jesus. And when God is on the throne and is appointed one, Messiah, Jesus, the king, is on the throne, there's a struggle. There's a struggle between the king of all kings and the nations. And that struggle is not going to be over until he returns. And so just this portion of Psalm 2, we we should consider. This is how we should be looking at history. This is how we should be looking at events that threaten us. Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. That would be Jesus. Let us break their chains, they cry. Free ourselves from slavery to God. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them, and then in anger he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem, my holy mountain. He's not going to be removed. You will give homage to the king. There's a rebellion. There's been a rebellion on the planet. that started with Adam and Eve. Jesus came to address that rebellion. He did address that rebellion. Everybody that's come to faith in Jesus is not rebelling against the king, trying to follow the king, and yet others around us have not. And even in a nation like ours, yeah, is there biblical history within our nation? Sure. But does our nation fight against the king? Yes. There's no nation that doesn't fight against the rule of God. Worldly kingdom versus heavenly kingdom. Every worldly kingdom, the day will come, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess. He is king. He is king. There's only one king. It's Jesus. Our message is to go out to the nations of the world, to the community around us, and say, there is a king. There is a king. That's a kingdom perspective. And when we do that, that causes all kinds of trouble. So their prayer really came down to let your kingdom come. Influence this situation with your rule. Let the power and the dignity of your rule so influence us that you influence the threats around us. So take care of their threats. Give your servants fearless confidence in announcing the kingdom, preaching the message, demonstrating the message as you stretch out your hand to us in healing and miracles and wonders done in the name 
of our, your holy servant, Jesus the King. See, the threat for them was, don't you do anything else in the name of Jesus. Their response was, we got to do that. That's, I mean, there's a higher authority. The highest authority in the universe said, do these things in his name. We're going to keep doing these things in his name. So the prayer is, oh man... We're going to be in conflict with the world around us, so give us courage to continue to announce the kingdom, to continue to demonstrate the kingdom as you empower us to do. And we know it's going to cause more conflict. It's going to turn our world upside down. But we're going to stay engaged. We're going to still tell the world this good news of the kingdom. We're going to still say there is a king. There is one king. And we're going to honor him. Notice what they did not say. There's no curse here. Oh God, strike those religious leaders with lightning. Oh God, you know, whatever. Whatever curse you want. They're not cursing them. They're actually saying give us courage to continue to announce your kingdom even to these religious leaders and stretch out your hand and you might even heal them. Demonstrate your kingdom to them. Signs and wonders that cause people to be saved from their foolishness. Is this us? Is this what we're doing with the threats? Is it, I mean, are we tracking here? And they keep doing kingdom ministry. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak God's word with fearless confidence. See, the church has never been able to do what the church is meant to do without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not filling them with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is filling them with fearless confidence. The Holy Spirit is filling them again with power. Power to hold their ground. Power to be ambassadors of the kingdom. Power to proclaim so that people are cut to the quick. Announcing the kingdom in the power of the Holy Spirit demonstrating the kingdom. There's, there's no, none, no healing, no sign and wonder happens without the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit empowering people to do what only God can do. So give us fearless confidence to stay the course in spite of any and all threats. See, they would have been saying, we might, we might go, to, we may go back to jail. You know, they killed Jesus. They might kill us, but we're not going to stop. We're not going to disengage from our world. We're not going to build our buildings with thick walls. We're going to stay engaged. So it's going to take a lot of... We don't have that amount of courage. So give us courage, Holy Spirit. Fill us with courage so that we can be obedient to our King. He's given us the command to go, to make disciples, to announce the kingdom. We can't stop doing that because of these threats. So it seems to me there's some suggestions for our community 
There's some suggestions in this passage for the whole church. But let's just start with none. Could we just ask for wisdom? Give us wisdom to discern real threats. This was a real threat. They were really under the gun with the religious leaders. That was real. I mean, they already spent a night in the dungeon of Caiaphas. They weren't treated kindly. They probably were not fed. There was no trial. There's no due process. It's real. But could we have, could we just, could we have God give us wisdom to discern real threats and to avoid entanglement with perceived threats? It just reminds me of how gullible we are. We are so easily deceived. And when it has to do with our survival, I mean, that's one of our like, basic, <laughs> to, to kind of be secure. And so when we, we think, we perceive, we're being threatened, our existence, be, I mean, we, we just have this, want to come out fighting. Would, would God give us wisdom to perceive the difference? Would we have a zeal for truth and a zeal for truth-telling? You all have been around the church long enough to know how communication in the church is. We don't call it gossip. We don't call it slander. We don't call it defamation. But that's what it is. And we put this religious face on it. No, that no. Let's tell the truth. And when it's not the truth, let's... Let's not just sit there and pretend like we're not hearing it. One of the challenges that Susan and I have is we hear a lot of people with a lot of fears and they share them at the lunch table or the breakfast table. And we haven't at times had the courage to to say, time out. And do you know when people are fearful and people are threatened and and people are are talking about that and we don't speak up, then our silence means we agree? I mean, when fearful and angry people are the, the easiest people on the planet to manipulate. And so they've created this world. And if we don't speak up, we're with them. So could we have a zeal for truth? I mean, you can, you can speak up politely, but just, I, I don't agree with that. I, I don't sense that. I don't think that's real. I think that might be perceived. Can we talk about that? Could, maybe we should do some reading together. Could we, could we ask for increased understanding and appreciation for the kingdom of God. I mean, how did, did anybody in the room over the past 40 years, as we face these threats together, think we should go back and read Psalm 2? I, I didn't think about that. So it's easy to lose a perspective of what God is doing in history. So we just, we just need to really have more understanding about what his plan is and how things like this kind of fit into that. And they're not going to go away. And then finally, the, the prayer that I want to keep praying, 
Because I really want, I, I, just, I just want that time where God is shaking the room. You know, may, may we all be filled. Now, and I'm not talking about one or two of us. I'm serious. May all of us who follow Jesus on the planet be filled with fearless confidence by the Holy Spirit and continue to announce God's kingdom to our generation. This is what our generation needs. More than anything is people, ordinary people like you and me, filled with fearless, fearless confidence by the Holy Spirit announcing there is a king. And that king is good. And that king sets things right. And we do not live in fear. Would you like to stand with me? Let's pray together and let's see if it happens. Well, what are we going to do if it happens? Nathaniel, what are you going to do if it happens? I cry. <laughs> I've, t- I've asked him several times. I, I don't, we'll see if what he says this time. Jesus, you know that while I kid about this, this hope, this aspiration, you know that it's, it's, it's real, it's true. And I know that I, it's nothing that I, I can do, it's nothing that I could orchestrate, it's not, not some magical prayer that I could conjure up and, and, and all of a sudden we'd all feel this trembling and we'd all be shaken by your power. But Lord, you know it's true that before, before, I, before I see you face to face, I really want to be in a room with those that are following you, those that are facing the threats of their day, calling out to you, oh, Holy Spirit, Fill us with fearless confidence. That we would continue to announce the good news of the kingdom. We have a king. There is a king. That we would welcome the power and dignity of your rule into our lives. That we would do that in spite of the threats that we would do that because we can do nothing but obey our king. We want to obey you. We want to be a community that represents you well. So fill us, most importantly, Holy Spirit, fill us with that fearless confidence to continue to do kingdom ministry for our generation. And if it pleases you, shake us, shake the room. You know, just remind us that you've heard this prayer and that you're pleased. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
Before you go, two things. I heard a ding, so somebody got an email that God said, yes, that's great. (laughs) We'll just take it for that. Just one last slide. As you go into this day, don't worry about the world coming to an end today. It's already tomorrow in Australia. See you later.